You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast. Please enjoy a special message recorded live at East Coast Christian Center. Hey, welcome East Coast friends and family. Come on, we are in the first week. We have finished it of our 21 days of seeking God. What a great week it's been. We started with prayer, we started with fasting, and we're continuing on in those 21 days of seeking God. I would just encourage you to lean in as we're teaching the vision of the church, which is love God, love people, love life. And could we just begin to welcome everyone today? We have our Parkway campus, we have our Cocoa campus, the Avenue New Worship Center and our Vieira campus and our online family and homes and cars and communities all across the world. Let's put our hands together and welcome them. And while you're clapping, let's just give Jesus a little praise today. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to continue on. This is Rise and Build. Rise and Build, part two. We talked last week about Rise and Build, the sanctuary. Today is Rise and Build, part two. And we'll develop that subject as we go. And I'm going to start from reading Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, verse 10 through 12. And if you want to get your Bible out or get your notes out or whatever, get that out now. So we're going to get started. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 10. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him, and they shall call them the holy people the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken, a city not forsaken. And if you're going to highlight something or, or just circle something in, these, in this scripture, just circle build up. Just circle build up, highlight it, remember. In fact, just say it. Just come on, say build up. Build up. Say it a little louder. Build up. build up. All right. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you, God. And as we, we just approach your word today, as we approach you, I, I just am so reminded that you keep going. God, you keep pushing. You are relentless. You are tireless. You, you don't have a stop button, God. You keep going because you are eternal. Even when we want to give up, you don't give up, Lord. You keep pressing and you keep pushing. Father, we just thank you that in, in the midst of our life and in, through the study of this word, we would just remember that, that you don't give up and you keep going and you never quit. And I thank you, Lord, you would, you would burn that in us today. And you would show us in your word what it means to rise and rebuild, to rise and rebuild. We ask in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, just say amen. Amen. So the first message I preached of the year was last year, and it started out pretty spicy for me. You guys didn't know, but it was a little intense. The very first message, I, I was preparing, I got my notes ready, I got it all done, and I took a look in the mirror and I thought, man, you need a haircut. And it was just too late to get a haircut. Or so I thought. So uh, I couldn't book one with my barber, so I did what I've done plenty of times, is I got out my own, my own clippers. I know how to cut hair. I'm not scared to cut my own hair. I've, I cut my kids' hair for a really long time, so I can cut hair. And so I got my clippers out, and I started, you know, working the bottom, getting that nice and down, you know. And I always go very conservative when I cut my own hair, just in case, right? So I'm going conservative, and I'm just, I'm just getting rid of the gray, you know what I'm saying, that kind of thing. Just getting it 
it out. And then I thought, now you got like a, like a bowl cut working, Matt, because the top was still thick. So I, I said, I got to get the top trimmed down. So I changed my guard out. I got my thick guard. It's very thick. It's like a five, okay, just for anyone who knows about cutting hair. And I put it on the clippers. All right, that's about a half inch. A five is about a half inch, okay? I put it on my clippers, and I start, and I'm conservative here, I start down where the hair's already short because I wanted to kind of begin to work the bottom, and I just hear, bam! <laughs> and I looked at my hair, and I looked at the clippers, and I just started, I was like, oh no. I got the guard for my old clippers, and it didn't fit. And so my clippers were fully exposed. I have a picture of that, okay? I have the before picture, all right? Let's look at the picture. This was me like 45 minutes before I was supposed to teach. I was not a happy man. I, Jessica, I am struggling. I was like, Jessica, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, Jessica. What do I do, Jessica? What do I do? I don't, I don't know what to do. She's like, okay, called a friend who cuts hair. I called someone who cuts hair. I called my barber. Couldn't, couldn't get me in. Totally booked. She calls a friend of ours, Tony. Tony said, I will meet you at my shop. I will leave my house right now. I will meet you at my shop. And I drove there. And thankfully, let's do the before, now let's do the after. Somehow, she was able to work the magic, okay? I mean, it was like nothing happened. I was like, how in the world did she do that, right? The before and the after. And let's look at some other before pictures, all right? Oftentimes, we're looking at the before. Let's look at the next before picture. Let's put it up. You know, we look at that house. We say, how in the world would anyone want that house, buy that house, you know, care for that house? And then let's look at the after, before and after. And then someone buys it and does that with it, right? It's like, whoa, like, can you believe that? You know, let's go to the next picture. All right, this is a picture of somebody's pool in our church. I will not, you know, name them right now, but no, I'm just kidding. It isn't. But, you know, that's, the, that's sometimes when we look at our house, we're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do, right? But this is the before, now this is the after, right? It looks great. It looks incredible. It's painted. It's clean. You know, let's go to the next picture. This is actual footage of a, of a closet, probably one in your house, right? Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this mess? But then you get the after picture, you're like, ah, we did it, right? We organized it. We, we, man, look at the shoe. I'm, I'm just thinking those shoes on the bottom, like, right? It's so awesome when you get that before and that after. But here, here's the problem that I think that we, you know, that with all these pictures and with my hair is sometimes our, our eyes... It's so glued on the before. It's so glued on the mess that we, we cannot see the after. We don't know how to clean the closet. We don't know how... We don't know how to deal with the problem. We don't know how to deal with the problem of the hair. We don't know how to deal with the problem of the life. We don't know how to deal with the problem of the circumstances we find ourselves in. We watch the news. We read the article. We look at YouTube videos, and we see these problems, and we go, what are we going to do? And panic starts to set in. Fear starts to set in. Anger starts to set in. We're looking at the before, and we're beginning to build our plan, and oftentimes it doesn't include a solution. It's so hard sometimes to see the after picture when you're living in the before. In fact, when you go to this verse in Isaiah, and you begin to read this, I, I want to share some simple things to you about Isaiah that you have, to, you have to see, you have to realize, but you may not know. The book of Isaiah was written 120 years after a civil war 
And Isaiah lived in the northern kingdom. Now this northern kingdom, from the moment of the Civil War, and in their Civil War, see the U.S. Civil War, it, we, we came up with the United States. It was the North versus the South. The, you know, the leadership of the South was abolished, we became one nation. Well, they didn't get that. What they got was a separation of nations. They got the North Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. In 120 years in the Northern Kingdom, they had 18 kings. And when you read the Bible, you will understand that these 18 kings were all terrible, terrible leaders, wicked rulers, wicked and evil, human sacrifice, not caring for the people, overtaxing, taking advantage of the temple and the church and the, the church in the day, the, 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 the temple that uh, Solomon built that we talked about last week, the sanctuary, taking advantage of that, taking advantage of the, of the people and, and moving their, their faith in God into other gods like Molech and, and Baal and, and just like terrible kings. And that's when Isaiah was written, in the middle of all of that. And the very end of Isaiah, which we've been reading, which we've been reading the end of Isaiah, it's literally the answer, the proclamation, right? And I'll read it right now, and I'll go, let's go to verse 11, let's go back to our verse in Isaiah 62, and let's look at verse 11 real quick. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world. This is a prophecy. He is proclaiming to the end of the world. Who, who do you think the end of the world is? It's the future, right? It's a future, it's an after picture. It isn't the before picture. He's living in the before. He's living in the pain. He's living in the destruction. He's living in the king after king after king after king of evil ruler. And the Lord gives him the words, proclaim this to the end of the world. Just a side note, the end of the world is me and is you. The end of the world is when Jesus has come and brought salvation to the world, and he did 2,000 years ago. We are walking out in the end that he's talking about. We are literally living in the after picture. He's in the before, but he speaks as if he's looking at the after. He says, say to the daughter of Zion, surely, I'm sure of it, your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And they shall call them holy people, not people ruled by evil dictators and emperors and kings. They'll call them holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You shall be sought out. You won't be avoided. People won't be trying to avoid you anymore. Like they've been avoiding this nation because of all these evil rulers. A city not forsaken. Literally, Isaiah is painting the afterpick right in the middle of the before picture. Painting a picture of where they're going, not where they are. You know, Jesus did this with Peter. Jesus, Jesus met Peter while he was fishing. The fishermen. They had not caught any fish. And he says, hey, throw your net to the other side. And they said, are you, <laughs> in their mind, they're like, are you nuts? Like, we've literally been here all night fishing, and I'm going to switch from this side of the boat to that side of the boat. That's going to make a difference, right? You know, like, or even just go over there. It's not going to make a difference. And they do, and what happens? The net gets full of fish. And after he paints this picture of a full net of fish, he says, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He paints him a picture of a full net fisher 
of men. Not an empty net fisher of men. He didn't say after you fished all night you didn't catch anything. Now let's quit this and go fish for people. Let's go disciple people. No. He created the picture of the victory. He said we're going to be a full church. Like we're going to be a full community. We're going to have lots of people following Jesus. We're going to have lots of people coming to Christ. He gives us the after pick when we're in the middle of the before. He gives us the picture of where we're going, where, where, where we are in the middle of the battle. But how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, I love verse 10. It gives us some very strong keys on how to walk from the before to the after. And let's go back to verse 10, Isaiah 62, verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Take out the stones. Lift up a banner for the people. Go through. Go through. You know, sometimes we've got to just go through. We've got to go through the problem. We've got to go through the open door. And oftentimes, open doors, they look very rewarding. It's like, I got an open door. I got a promotion. I got something going on. And you walk through the open door, and you walk out into the hallway, and there's hell in the hallway. I'm just telling you right now, the door looked great, but to get through the hallway, it's everywhere you look, it's trouble. Everywhere you look is, is difficulty and challenges and pain. You want to you wanna buy a business? Man, that looks like a great open door until you buy the business and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? You want to get married? It's a great open door. Then you get married and you go, oh my gosh, I don't know how to be married. You want to have children? They actually send those kids home with you without a manual, right? You walk through this amazing open door, but then you get hell in the hallway. What do we do? If you're going through trouble, don't stop and take pictures. Keep going. Don't stop and take pictures. The problem is, oftentimes, we stop and we start taking pictures of the middle of the struggle. We take the before pictures, we take the middle of the restoration, and we begin to put pictures of those in our mind. This hurts too much. Snapshot. I'm never going to survive. Snapshot. Why'd that person do that to me? Snapshot. I'm out of my depth. Snapshot. They probably don't even love me anymore. Snapshot. We start taking snapshots of the middle of the struggle. I won't survive. I won't forgive. Snap, 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 snap. I love the story of the lame man and the four men who are his friend. He was paralyzed. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that they couldn't get near Jesus. The crowd was full. They were smashed in around this house. They were all leaning in to hear Jesus. And they said... We're not going to let this stop us. And so what they did is they took this guy on his mat, brought him up on the roof of the property, and cut a hole in the roof, and dropped him down in the middle of Jesus and all the people, and said, can you heal our friend? It's, it's incredible what they did. Sometimes we might read this and go, yeah, it's probably just like this little, you know, soft roof that was easy to just probably whatever. They were walking on the roof just case, you know, just so you, you know, remember that. It's a roof sturdy enough to walk on. So they ripped open a roof, a roof and dropped a man in it. And here's the thing that, that I love about this. When I visited Israel, most scholars believe that we know the exact house where this was. And they, they, they believe it's Peter's house. And they, they believe they actually know which house is Peter's house in this area. So much so 
that uh, there's a few reasons why. One is when, when you would build houses in ancient days, they'd re-roof the houses pretty much all at the same time because they had a, a kind of a rhythm. In the same year, all the houses would get changed out because they're all made of the same things. Same organic materials, you know, same mud, all that stuff, right? So they'd replace them every, every so often, except one house in the city, in the area where Jesus was, had a different construction schedule when they were doing the archaeology. So much so that they've built a church. I have a picture of this church uh, right here. If you, you take a look at it. That's, yes, this is a church built on top of the house. When you walk in the church, it's a glass floor. So you literally can stand there and look down at the picture of what it, where it was and what it would be like to see you dropping your friends into the house and getting healed. I took that picture. Do you notice they didn't take a picture of the cot that they dragged him up on the stage with or the crutches that he might have used at one point? They didn't take a, they didn't grab a picture of, of anything else except the victory. And so every time they could stand there in the victory, they could look down and say, see what Jesus did? In fact, I'm going to stand here and worship on what Jesus did, right? That's an amazing picture. Taking pictures of the victory. Don't take pictures of the pain. Take pictures of the victory. People get experts in the negative. I want to be an expert in victory. I want to be an expert in hope. I don't want to be an expert in the negative news. I don't want to be an expert in the problems. I will know the problem. I know what the problem is, but I'm looking at the victory. Taking pictures of the victory. Go through. You got to go through the problem. You, got, you can't let it stop you. You got to go through looking at the picture of victory. The next thing, number two, go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up. Rise and rebuild. Build up. I love build up. Build up. It's raising of the low places so that you can put in a foundation right? When you build up, you, you've got a, maybe there's a, a gap, uh, you know, a gap in elevation or, you know, water, and you got to fill it up, and then you got to build it up, and then you got to build the foundation up, and so on top of the foundation, you can lay the road, the building, whatever you're building, right? You got to build up. And, and I just, I just wanted to kind of give you one thought about this is, you know, part of our vision is, excuse me, our values is one step. Everybody has one step, right? Each of us has one step, but it's not just a step forward. It's a step up, okay? It's a step up. It's not just a step forward. It's a step up. And here's the thing that, that you have to realize is there's certain things in the Bible. There's certain things that God has given us that actually builds us up, that lifts us up. It lifts the people around us up. One of those is mercy. Psalms 94, 18 if I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. Mercy. Mercy holds you up. Isaiah 63, 9. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. God got distressed about the situation. Like, I don't like this. And so how does he fix us? He sends his love and he sends his mercy. He redeems them and he lifts them up. Mercy lifts us up. Grace, I spoke a lot about grace in, the, in message one. Grace picks us up when we fall, right? Mercy lifts us up. It's a foundation to build on. It keeps us up. 
There's a foundation of grace. Grace is getting help. It's getting favor. It's getting blessing that we need, but we don't deserve. We can't earn it. It's a gift, but what is mercy? It's not getting the punishment or consequences or loss that we do deserve. Mercy is not getting what we earned. It's not getting the loss that we earn. Judgment, you've been judged wrong. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm giving you mercy. I remember my dad gave me mercy when I was a little kid. I had gotten trouble. I got a, I got a detention uh, at school, and I got in big trouble. And then the next day, I got another detention, and I got twice as much trouble. And the next day, I got three times as much trouble because I got another detention three days in a row. We're talking like third grade here, second, third grade. And I remember coming home on day four, getting another detention. It's terrified. Terrified. And my dad sat me down. He looked me in the eyes. He said, Matt, I've punished you these three days. Today, I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. You're, you're not... You're not getting punished today. And you know the next day, I didn't get it at detention. I was so shocked. I was so scared. But my dad gave me mercy. It changed my actions. It changed my mindset. I walked away free man. You know the best way to get mercy in your own life? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be given mercy giving mercy to others. I am shocked right now when I post something on Facebook and I don't get blasted. I'm shocked. I, I expect to get blasted now. And it shocks me when someone is merciful, when someone doesn't fight me on Facebook. I'm shocked in this world when I say things and when you say things, you are expecting somebody to come and punish you. You're expecting the battle. You're expecting the fight. And you know what? People are expecting you to fight with them. People are expecting you to battle them. People are expecting you to put them down. And so what, what ends up happening is we all end up gear, battling up, shielding up, armoring up. But what if we became a people that gave other people the mercy that we so want but we don't deserve? What if we were to give that to other people? What if we were to give them the benefit of the doubt? What if we were able to put ourselves in their shoes, walk a few feet and go, that's why you said that. That's why you'd like that. What if we didn't judge people's first sentence and looked at the, you know, the totality of their life and then looked at the sentence? What if we did this in our home? Like, you know, sometimes I say I have a bad attitude. You know, sometimes my wife has a bad attitude. And, and when we both stop and go... How was their day? How was this moment? Like, this is my wife. This is my husband. They love me. I love them. And now it just, it's, it feels volcanic right now. At work, same, th same sort of things happen. It feels volcanic. Why is this happening? We love each other. Oh, that's why it's happening. <laughs> mercy. There you go. Give mercy. Give people a build up. Build them up. Build them up. God's mercy is so powerful that it will lift you higher. Even if this is the highest you've ever been in your life, God will lift you higher. God's mercy is so personal that it will lift you up even if it's your own fault and you are down. God's mercy is so protective that it will lift you out of trouble that other people are causing. God's mercy is so provisional that it supplies you with what you need not only to survive but to thrive. So give it to other people. 
Bless others with it. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You want mercy? You want to be lifted up? You want to be taken out of trouble when it's someone else's fault or your fault? You want provision in your life in the middle of disaster? Come on, give people mercy. Build up. What do we build up? Isaiah 62.10. Go through the gates. Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for people. Build up. Build them up. Build up. Build up the highway. Take out the stones. Lift a banner for the people. What's a highway? You know, the, the highway is to create people to travel quicker, right? It's like we want more people to go to Orlando. We build a highway into Orlando. The bigger the highway, the more people we're expecting, right? The smaller the road, the less people we expect to travel on it. But the bigger the road, the faster the highway, <clears throat> the cleaner, the clearer, the higher the speed limits, the more the lanes, we're saying, hey, widen it up, build the highway, take out the stones, take out the path, take out the single lane, put in the four-lane highway. The, this is the problem, I think, with me as a modern human. I've, I've never really seen a highway built like from scratch. Like I've seen them add on highway, I've seen them add on things and add on overpasses. But I started thinking about this the other day, like that's all the time we have for the weekly special message. But if you would like to listen to more, please go to eccc.us or use the East Coast app. Now here's a moment to thank our sponsors. At East Coast Christian Center, we are building a life-giving church that lasts. We are one church in many locations with campuses in Merritt Island, Vieira, Coco, and an online campus that you can attend from anywhere. Here at East Coast, we value each generation and work hard to ensure that no matter what age or stage of life you're in, there's a place for you in our family. You weren't meant to do life alone, so come and find your church home with us. You can plan your visit or get more information online at eccc.us. The world desperately needs strong, faithful, and equipped believers ready for battle right now. ECCU provides high-quality instruction at a fraction of the cost of other Christian universities. At ECCU, you will learn who you are, whose you are, and know how to practically exercise the tools God gave you. We offer associates, bachelors, masters, and doctoral programs in theology and Christian ministry. Our number is 321-452-1060. That's 321-452-1060. Extension 102. Find more information at eccuequipped.com. At East Coast Christian Academy, our mission is to create a space where children will thrive, and we believe they grow best in a safe, clean, Christ-centered environment. We're passionate about showing the love of Jesus to children in our community and helping them become everything God has called them to be. At East Coast Christian Academy, we are all about family. We work hard to foster a culture and environment of positive attitudes and teamwork. And we provide flexible schedule options for team members who have their own busy family lives. Do you have experience in early childhood educational environments in the heart for the next generation? If so, we have room on the team for you. Find out more about joining our academy team online at eccc.us slash academy or call us at 321 453 Kids. That's 
Are you a young adult between the ages of 18 and 29, seeking community and an opportunity to press into the Word of God on a deeper level? Join us at Mezzanine, Sunday nights at 7. Experience powerful and impacting messages alongside like-minded individuals that are passionate about pursuing the heart of God. Download the Mezzanine Church app or visit mezzanine.church to get plugged in. The New Thing Youth Church is a generation of students destined to change the world through God's power and love. If you're between 7th and 12th grade, join us every week for fun, relationships, and the Word of God. The New Thing Youth Church meets at the Parkway Worship Center every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. and Sunday night at Vieira High School at 6 p.m. Check out our TNT Youth Church app for more details. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Morning Breath podcast. If you did, we would love for you to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. To follow along with our daily chapter list and for quick access to East Coast podcasts, events, and more, download the East Coast app. It's the best way to stay connected with everything East Coast. We would also love for you to join our online community. Just search for East Coast Christian Center on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Morning Breath podcast.